Welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. I'm Ralph Cree. This is brought to you in association with bodyheartmindspirit.co.uk. In this episode, I talk to Donald Clark about his experiences over the last four years with cold water therapy and the Wim Hof method, combining breathing, special breathing techniques and exposure to cold water, whether it's cold showers, ice baths or his ingenious inventions uh, with a chest freezer. Donald Clark is a technology and conceptual consultant for the entertainment and wellness industry and he has a deep interest in integral theory, critical realism and interior development. And he is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and ADCC national champion, um, as well as all sorts of other interesting things he's into. And in this episode, we talk about how he got into the cold water therapy, um, what the benefits were, some of the unexpected side effects um, and how some of those were beneficial and he went into them and took them further and some of them were not so good Um, and uh, looked at different techniques he used uh, along the along the way Uh, we talked about you know some of the hype and marketing surrounding Wim Hof and the cold water therapy movement um, <clears throat> what, uh, how to deal with hypothermia, which he had a few times. Um, and, uh, yeah, just how to develop your own, you know, unique practice with cold water, um, over time. And, uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy the show. I was, was fascinated and it was a very deep dive into the subject. Okay, Donald Clark, welcome back uh, to the Evolving Spiritual Practice podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me back and stuff. Uh, yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. And, and you are kindly going to share your experiences with cold water therapy. Um, yeah, I certainly am. Yeah. That you've been doing for the last four years, am I right? Yeah, it's been about four years or so now. Um, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, you're you're kind of the mad professor type, and um, once you get into something, you tend to go in deep. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, just just to sort of like for people listening, um, and for you, that uh, just to say where I'm coming from with this, um, I've had quite limited experience with cold water therapy. It's something I've I know the benefits of um i've done a lot of wild swimming in in the sea uh and the sea in england is is pretty cold um and a lot of swimming in rivers and streams and uh you know i did quite a lot in scotland i was out there for four months months and uh in the mountain streams where the snow was melting and um yeah yeah and uh doing a fair fair bit of cold showers stuff um i find when um 
if I'm feeling a bit kind of low or, um, you know, my mood's a bit low or my energy feels a bit stagnant, if I just hop in a cold shower, I come out like totally enlivened again. Yeah. So I use it for that. And I've also done quite a lot of sweat lodges um, yeah. at my house. Um, I was once on TV, actually, on yeah. River Cottage with Hugh Fernie Whittingstall doing a sweat lodge on the beach. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of you know, maybe we might get into that as well you know the use of cold water and then hot afterwards yeah, and yeah because yeah, um you know that's that's been really good so it's i it's something i think is really great um but you know one thing we have discussed we're going to explore are uh, some of the, the great things about it and then some of the things which are to watch out for uh what's hype you know because it is very trendy at the moment yeah. um and uh, with anything that's trendy in the sort of health and wellness spiritual world, there tends to be quite a lot of hype. And so we're trying, sure. to, trying to give a, um, an unvarnished uh, walk through it all and uh, via your experience. So yeah. there we go. So I've teed, teed that up. So uh, yeah. where, where do we start then? Um, where, when did well, you get into it? I'll start with my original motivation getting into it actually which um it was um it was about four years ago and i had some arthritis in my left knee um from years of jujitsu training um i'd snapped a few um the tendons there on the exterior side and um for some reason and then i had an accident I was running to catch a train and fell down the stairs and banged my knee quite badly and stuff. Um, so there's a few things that happened to that knee that resulted in quite a lot of trauma. Um, and it was getting so bad that one leg was visibly smaller than the other leg. Um, so I couldn't do certain things like just stoop down on that leg and I was always in pain but when you say smaller, you mean uh, muscularly smaller? Muscularly or, or smaller. It, the length was the same, but the length was the same. Yeah. Um, but the actual, I started getting muscle wastage because mm. I couldn't do a lot on that leg. Ah, I see. Um, yeah, yeah. From yeah. that, um, shying away from carrying the load on my leg because of the pain. Yeah. I see. Got it. Yeah. And uh, obviously, I started to feel some of that load bearing going onto my right leg. And I was very scared that I was going to um, cause a rupture in that knee as well. The, the body tends to kind of communicate, not just the good things, but the bad things as well, and on either side. So um, I'd gone to the doctors and we had tried some um, like anti-inflammatories and uh, certain injections that sort of, sort of lower the, the inflammatory rate there, but it would always come back and come back quite quickly. And the drugs sort of made me feel, because they were very steroidal, um, they gave me really bad lethargy and um, even some depression and stuff. So the pharmaceutical medical route didn't seem to be the right cause, um, case of action. Um, so I thought, okay, it's going to have to be diet and some other holistic treatment. So I went through quite a number of things until I got to Wim Hof. 
And I think the thing that really sort of made me think this was going to be it was um, hearing about one of the experiments they did in the Netherlands um, with Wim Hof and some of the students, um, which was so fascinating. It was really fascinating. I'll give you a brief uh, telling of that. Um, for those in the Wim Hof community, they know it quite well, but for those who don't, um, I think it's worth hearing. And I, I think I've watched a Vice documentary on Wim Hof, um, yeah. and I think this was part of that documentary, which was, was really good, and people can look that up online. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, it was, it was just uh, the use of, they were putting something called an endocto, an endobacteria, which is a dead bacteria into the human uh, biology, into the human bloodstream. And that bacteria, um, it causes uh, an inflammatory response because of the immune response that happens and so on. So the immune system sort of kicks into gear and you get a raise of um, inflammatory, um, inflammatory proteins called cytokines. Now, what they wanted to test was if this endo, um, endobacteria was going to have a similar response in those people who were doing the Wim Hof method. And what they found was something quite remarkable, really, that um, those that were doing the breathing produced an inflammatory protein, which dampened the inflammatory, um, an anti-inflammatory protein, which dampened the inflammatory, inflammatory proteins and cytokines. And um, while still having an effective immune response, and so on. So you, they were going through a lot of the, uh, they're going through the whole process of experiencing that bacteria, but without the flu-like symptoms that come with it. And without um, a lot of the nausea, the claustrophobia, the sweating, etc. Um, and I found that quite fascinating. So you, know, so you said they were doing the breathing, the breath, yeah. special breathing exercises in conjunction with cold water therapy, or was it no, just no, breathing? Just the breathing. So they, this, this is Wim Hof's particular breathing this technique. Is Wim Hof's is particular breathing technique. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, which, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a little footnote there. Um, I tried Wim Hof's breathing technique um, yeah. just once. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, like, there's so many things to, to do in life. It's just kind of like working into new habits. And, and, yeah. and I, th I, think, I think his breathing technique is really good. Yeah. Uh, and it's something I want to make something, uh, you know, part of my daily routine. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it was the reason why I bring it up is it was pretty impressive that um, I've never been able to hold my breath, you know, very long. You know, I've been quite average in that respect. Yeah. But the first time I tried his breathing um, technique, I held my breath for three minutes, um, yeah. and I was just like absolutely amazed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. Uh, three minutes is really good for a first time as well. Like, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it took me a bit of practice to get to three. 
I, I was I was quite impressed. I, I got about two minutes or so the first time. Mm. And um and prior to that, I could probably only hold my breath for about 30 seconds, mm. something like that. Which, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, which was pretty incredible. Um but yeah, um yeah, it was it was the anti-inflammatory response that really um really excited me because for those that don't know when you start to get arthritis the actual pain you're experiencing is inflammation building up around the joints around the area affected and so a lot of the steroids that they give you are there to clear that up and when when i found out oh, there was a natural way of doing that i was like okay i better i better really try this i better get on board with this so um I started with the breathing and um, the breathing was, it was really interesting. Um, there's this whole thing, I think you've spoken about it in a few podcasts um, where if you, if you kind of have a language that you've built up, in this case, for instance, a language of meditation or a language of um, interior states and so on. Um, it's easy for you to recognize things that kind of occur when you're doing practices and so on. And, and so what I was expecting with the Wim Hof was you know, probably just bodily sensations, etc. Um, maybe sweating, um, and maybe just a visceral response in my body, but but I remember the first time, the first week of breathing, I had a really powerful experience of silence. Um, everything sort of just went into the background and the foreground came into view as this really beautiful formless silence. And that sort of got me hooked. I was like, wow, um, this is a really powerful technique for getting into really profound states of consciousness as well. Um, and so I continued for about three months, um, every day, um, introducing the cold shower within the second week. Gradually How long were you, these breathing sessions? Because I know you you have been doing as much as... 45 minutes breathing in yeah uh, you know uh, i know you didn't start off that way but yeah yeah um so they they would last about uh 15 minutes or so initially um it took it took a it's probably within the first year of doing i started increasing it but initially um for the first three months i wouldn't really go any further than about 20 minutes or so. Um, body would start to tingle quite violently. And um, I just felt my this is about enough. You know, this is what I need. I don't really need any further than that um, at that time. Um, but I was going into the cold shower at that time, which yeah, I've got to say is it was 
it was really, really cool. Like within three months, um, I'd noticed a, a very drastic loss of pain in my leg. Um, like to the point where I could go back to the gym, build this leg back up, get it back to size again, um, strengthen the tendons without going through that pain and so on. Um, but I think um, for me, the real, the real discovery was when I actually started doing um, the breathing in combination with ice baths and so on. Um, I kind of found that the cold showers were, they were very interesting as a means of climatizing my body to the cold in a way. Um, but I didn't really see the connection between the breathing and the cold shower or the cold until my first ice bath, um, which, uh, yeah, is, um, a slightly different chapter this would be after about a year um so did um yeah just before we get off that first phase yeah um you know one when you're saying that breathing can bring on really intense experiences and um you were sort of pushing into it as far as you could but you kind of but you were suggesting that there you, you could tell there was a point that you could go beyond and into something pretty radical. Um, and I, I'm thinking of um, Stan Groff's uh, holotropic yeah, breathing yeah. and stuff like that, where people have, uh, you know, what sound like full-on psychedelic LSD, uh, psilocybin-type experiences. They could, they experience yeah. being born and, you know, birth traumas and all sorts of mad stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. Could, could you... Am I right in saying that you you that you could kind of sense how deep breathing could go, uh, and and you you pulled a little bit back from that because that's not really you wanted to to make your body more comfortable, not deal with your birth trauma type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that that's the thing. Like, uh, um, my my sort of instinct was. Um, that I was pushing towards towards a boundary and um, past that boundary, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, and the community on Wim Hof, very few people were reporting back those sort of interior experiences. A lot of people were sort of coming back, oh yeah, it's made me less anxious or it's you know, um, I don't feel as depressed or I feel more alive or, um, yeah, it feels like a good couple of shots of coffee, you know, every time I do it. But there wasn't, um, I wasn't hearing people report back too much in regards to um, some of the things I later found out that are associated with this type of breathing, like trauma release um psychedelic ethnogenic states of consciousness um you know early on i discovered you could get into quite deep states of consciousness just with 15 minutes worth of it so it's, um, it's probably a good thing that people weren't reporting this kind of thing back on wim hof because i imagine a lot of people who get into wim hof breathing like cold showers they're doing this at home 
on their own. I mean, there's an online community, but the holotropic breath work that was developed to be done in in groups of people with skilled facilitators, psych yeah, yeah. psychotherapists. So, you know, if you if you go deep and you unlock some massive crazy trauma, yeah, um, you don't really want to be in your flat alone. <laughs> you know? well, 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 that's the thing. Like, it's um, it's it's both uh, it's both uh, like it's interesting in the sense because that sort of moves towards um, what I might call some of the ethical responsibility of the community and so on. Um, that I've not really visited that community more recently. I did have a little visit today before this talk and uh, one woman was talking about trauma release. She felt her body sort of shivering and shaking and stuff like that. And um, she didn't know what was going on and the community was saying, oh, it could be this, it could be that. It, um, wh whilst in actual fact, it is just the Wim Hof. It's, um, you know, there's so many techniques for trauma release and Wim Hof is one of them. Um, but the, there, there does seem to underlie a sort of, um, it's been marketed in a way that sort of sees it as a, as a general well-being health um, kind of technique, but it does go a, quite a bit further, um, depending on how far you want to go with it. Um, and you know, just uh, um, I'm quite often talking about doing things responsibly, ethically, safely. Yeah. But I remember the, the the last conversation we had. We were talking about five meo DMT. Yeah, yeah. So someone like, you know, is there a, is there, you know, how could someone approach this as safely as possible? And you said, well, there isn't, there isn't a way to do this safely. And um, so I mean, I, you, you and I are both people that have done a lot of it, solo experimentation with all sorts of techniques and things on our own. Uh, we've gone right in the deep end, um, and we are adventurous people we're not timid so I, I don't want to give the impression that uh uh you, you know we, we 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 yeah we're not adventurous and we don't take risks yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you you can be adventurous uh and take risks but mitigate the unnecessary ones <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a bit like being a mountaineer or something and you're doing if you're going up Everest there is a chance you'll die um that's the thing yeah, yeah but you you do check all your gear you make sure you're really prepared you make sure you've got a good team you know so it's um it's, it's always a balance between the, the you know those two things well I I think I think you know like clearly so like if you're if you're jumping off an airplane with a parachute you're going to have to be one of the most safety conscious people on the planet. Mm. So, um, your safety is going to be of uttermost priority to you. Um, and something that you think about more than the average person. So and, and, and in that example, well, I've, I've, I have jumped out of an airplane um, yeah. seven times. Oh, wow. And, um, I didn't pack my parachutes. So, you know, I did it with, an official organization in Spain 
they yeah, were yeah. packing my parachute for me. I had to trust them, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's part of it. You know, you can't, you have to trust other people, <laughs> you know, and in this case, you were trusting Wim Hof, you know. Well, well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm in trust of Wim Hof and um, yeah, I, I paraglided as well. And I had to have the same trust in the person I was paragliding with, um, that they knew how to do it, that they had all those safety things in play. And, um, so it's no different. Like, um, I hadn't had a lot of experience at that time with breath work. So Wim Hof was my, my first and real introduction to the whole aspect of breath work and so on. Um, and yeah, it, it did promise what it said on the, on the box, basically, which in that sense, while I was using it to sort of treat my, um, my leg and my arthritis and my knee and so on, um, it did decrease my sort of inflammatory response significantly. And, you know, if I hadn't have done that, I would have, the pain was getting worse and worse. And I would have probably have had to take, you know, steroids regularly um, or some other pharmaceutical drug to inhibit my, um, my cytokine intake production, um, which in the long term didn't seem like a great idea really <laughs> at all. You know, um, I didn't want to end up as like house MD on Vicodin and, you know, painkillers and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, and I haven't had the, the pain hasn't come back. I still have like those torn ligaments and stuff. So, you know, it, I, it's not gonna cure what's already damaged, but the pain response has significantly reduced to the point that I don't notice it anymore and so on. Um, I think where it started to get quite wild and interesting was when I met Wim Hof and so on, um, which was probably about a year, a year later. And I, I remember going to a workshop, he came to London and he did a workshop that consisted of about 500 people. And it was profound, it was, so intense, but really, really beautiful. Um, on one level, like we were doing breathing for about 90 minutes or something like that. And I just remember like, you know, there were people around me who were dropping off like flies. They were going unconscious. Wow. <laughs> you know, there was so much energy sort of being enveloped in them that, uh, you know, like, they were just shorting out and stuff. And then you'd see like a, a, one of the assistants come pick them up and give them some wow. water and all that stuff. Um, but breathing with 500 people like that in rounds for like 90 minutes, um, you know, my nervous system was just full of energy, full of energy. Um, uh, you know, I was vibrating like the sun. It was... Uh, you know, a really, really, really beautiful experience. Then I went into an ice bath 
um, very shortly after sort of having all that energy in me. And in the ice bath, um, I, I went in and all that energy just bundled up and then streamed out of my head. And I was left in absolute silence. I was just like in a really like uh, beautiful place of quietness, peace um, and tranquility. Um, and the cold didn't affect me at all. I could have stayed in that thing for, you know, maybe 20 minutes or something like that. Um, ended up staying for about eight minutes in there. Um, but when I got back home, um, I fell into a very deep and relaxed sleep and woke up, um, woke up with a really intense vibration in my solar plexus and um, my throat started to constrict and my heart started to open and for about one week I experienced a huge, huge opening of sadness and grief. And I didn't know what was, I didn't know what was really going on at that time. It was, um, in hindsight, I was opening up to a traumatic release in a way. Um, and Luckily for you, you were engaged in a long-term and ongoing therapeutic relationship with a psychotherapist at the yeah, time, yeah. and you who could help you navigate that. Yeah, yeah. But there, do, do you think there are a lot of people in the Wim Hof ice bath world that are having these experiences but don't know where to go with it, would you say? Well, I think that's the thing, because I really think that the Wim Hof method... Um, in and of itself, if you keep to it at that sort of 15 minute sort of daily thing with the cold showers and stuff like that, um, you're probably not going to move into um, those deeper traumatic spiritual uh, releases or openings and so on. Because um, I kind of did it for a year um, quite consistently just breathing every morning, going into a cold shower for about five minutes. And um, maximum would be about 10 minutes or so. Um, the minute I took that to 90 minutes and so on, and then added an ice bath, I, my body opened up. And I don't know if that was because I'd been doing that opening for one year prior so you know that 15 minutes every day was consistently opening me up i have a feeling it's the case um you know um but that sort of jump to the 90 minutes straight into the cold bath and then sort of you know staying in there for eight minutes when probably two was enough and so on um it did open up that, it did open me up to myself in a very profound way. Um, so there is this whole notion of Wim Hof being, 
having to be in place of a more integrated approach and so on, where you do have those other support mechanisms of trauma. If you have like an, a powerful spatial experience or you open up to your own sort of holding, patterns of holding and trauma, um, it would be nice to have other sort of support networks there to kind of say, hey, okay, now you've opened up to this, let's work on it. And so yeah. And it was it wasn't only um, <clears throat> sort of emotional psycho psychological experiences you're having. You're also having these kind of formless void experiences, which are you know quite like Zen meditation or something like that. Which, are, are, you know, again, that you know that's a, that's a great if, if you have an an experience like that, that's a golden opportunity to you know share that experience with somebody who knows about that kind of thing yeah, and, yeah. and they can point out its significance to you yeah, whereas you know the people may be having these an experience of uh, of emptiness or formlessness and that kind of deep pregnant silence um but kind of gloss over it or pass over it because it's like oh you know that was kind of nice and it was interesting but they're you know, not really taking that any further. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not inquiring into that, not taking it any further. And also not creating a causal link between that and what that opens you up to, essentially. Um, you know, for me, kind of expanding so profoundly into that silence meant an eventual contraction and so on. Um, which I sort of experienced as a, as a trauma release, in a way. Um, and I did have somebody, I had Gary Hawk, who really worked and helped me sort of release that trauma, to cry it out, to, to be with it. And in hindsight, that's been, that was a very beautiful experience, because I'm still doing that. I'm still learning to be with those things. It's not that you open that up. And then it just goes away. You're, you're now like dealing with a part of yourself that was always there. You're not that you're now conscious of. Mm. Um, and that that's a good point you you raise about. You have these expansive experiences that feel uh, really nice and really good and really natural, and then everything comes crashing back in. It's like you know, it's, you you pull the elastic band back and then you let go and it snaps back. Yeah, yeah. And it can feel like oh, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to sort of experience this really nice thing and then keep that for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done it wrong if uh, if all the kind of crap uh, fills the space again. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and again, that's where some kind of mentorship can really help yeah, yeah. us navigate that to say, well, no, this is okay. Let's work with it. it everything is workable. Um, and I think that's where the, the practice, the idea of practice comes in that you practice is about stretching and then contracting and stretching, contracting and keeping on doing it and understanding it's the, the flex and flow the, of, of, the, of the process. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you could juxtapose that with, say, somebody who goes to a one off Wim Hof experience like, you know, this workshop you went to and they might have this massive experience, feel really good. And then every, all the crap rushes back in and then they feel shit 
and yeah, yeah. like well you know that was really good but then it was already awful and i probably messed it up uh, yeah 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 well yeah like there's there's a lot of um uh what's it called uh blame and skepticism and weird stuff that even when it happened to me it was sort of going through my head what did i do something wrong you know was there was there something I could have done better? Did, you know, like the mind just goes back into hindsight. But of course, because I had some sort of structure around me, I did have a mentor and I had people um, who did sort of understand um, or have a language for this sort of thing. It became, uh, it, it didn't feel necessarily pleasant, um, but I did feel I'm going through a process with it. Um, and I think one of the things though that, um, that I think is interesting is that I didn't choose to go through that process in that sense. Like, um, you know, I had no idea I was opening myself up to that in a way. And, you know, probably if I knew then, you know, I probably would have still done it. I don't know and stuff. Um, I reckon but, you would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, but I, I wasn't expecting that sort of, you know, that sort of expansion followed by that level of contraction. Um, and I would still say that, yeah, I'm still, that did open me up to a new way of life and a new way of being and so on there is a sort of a, almost like a before and after period with that. Um, and I think the way Wim Hof is necessarily marketed and so on, it doesn't really include that dimension. Um, they might, like, like the woman on the forum today was talking about um, tremors and shaking in her body and so they kind of pointed her towards trauma release exercise and, and so on, um, which is very similar to the technique of Wim Hof in some respects. Um, but I do find that the community, um, they're kind of ignoring that side of, of the method in a way, um, that the healing goes quite deep it goes pretty deep. It's not just like, oh, my big toe is hurting. My leg is hurting. I've got some anxiety I need to sort out or whatever. Um, it's really psycho-spiritual in that sense. Um, so yeah, um, but um, in spite of that, I, um, I still carry on with the method and there are a few things I sort of learned in regards to creating more of a safe space for it. So you just so you you've been to this workshop you'd had your first kind of 90 minutes breathing plus the ice bath this big yeah. opening happened then you know did you continue doing this on a daily basis I mean what what were there new habits you took on after that workshop? Well, the workshop, um, the workshop didn't really, it, in terms of the technique itself, I mean, the technique's very simple, and it didn't really teach me anything new other than 
you can go, the longer you do it in terms of the breathing and the colder that you expose your body to, um, the, uh, the more intense the experience really. Um, in regards to the actual practice itself, because I had opened up, um, I'd sort of, you know, the, the holding of trauma in my body had um, released and shifted. I found that coming back to the practice um, was different. I was having a different experience of the practice. Um, whereas before it could take up to 90 minutes um, to sort of get into those really um, deep sort of, uh, you know, formless, um, formless experiences. Um, those things were now beginning to happen at about 20 to 25 minutes and so on. And um, going into an ice bath, for instance, after that, um, you know, it meant I might have to take the whole day off just to deal with what was coming up in me and so on. Um, you know, I remember sort of doing an ice bath at my friend's house. We bought 20 kilograms of ice, put it in there, did 20 minutes of breathing. So what, you put it in a bath, do you? Yeah, well, yeah. at that time I put it in a bath, yeah, in a bathtub. Um, we went to Iceland, just in his car, just bought a crab load of ice, put it in the bath with some water, did the breathing for 20 minutes. I get in the, uh, well, he went in, um, in the bath, and he jumped straight out. <laughs> it, was, it was so cold. And uh, he went back in and he did it for two minutes. I stayed in there and um, again, within about a minute, a minute, um, minute 30, I was experiencing that formlessness and I didn't go any path, I didn't go anywhere beyond two and a half minutes really with it. Um, I remember it was the first time doing an ice bath after that experience. And I was interested to see what would happen. And I spent the whole day crying and, you know, um, yeah, just just being with, with this flow of emotions that were going through. I felt very fragile and open and vulnerable and so I was like, okay, this is, this is a different experience now. This is, um, this is opening me up to my emotional body in a way, um, which again is almost a completely different practice now. You know, you're, um, you're kind of not doing it necessarily just for, um, you know, a healthy and resilient body. You, you know, there's this whole other dimension, a whole other subtle body that's that's uh, being influenced. So. Yeah, that that's an important thing to raise. That some people might get into this, like you're saying, just for, for as a wellness thing, um, but then start to have these other experiences of emotional releases, trauma releases, and then also some of these kind of non-ordinary meditative states, yeah, consciousness yeah. too. So you're getting more than they bargained for. So either that might interest people and they say, oh, that's really interesting. I want to go further into that. And they can look 
for ways and help to develop that or they might think oh this is really annoying i don't want that stuff i just want my body to get better and kind of shrink away from it but you know the chances are that if you keep doing it you'll keep having those experiences and rather than them be annoying side effects you could actually mine that gold yeah yeah yeah. that seam of gold uh, as well yeah yeah well well that's the thing like as i say it 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 can be approached at so many different levels and um you know like at the beginning level it really is just a wellness sort of physical thing um it it does make you feel more alive and you feel healthier as a result of it um but you can take the practice to a deeper level and so on and if i'm remembering rightly i think wim hof his story is that he got into it because his wife committed suicide and he was dealing with so much pain emotional pain um that just kind of spontaneously he started going uh, into the canals in holland um and it would help it was helping him it was like he just kind of stumbled into this this thing yeah so his motivation wasn't a wellness you know physical wellness thing it was this this emotional it was yeah it was uh yeah to help his depression and so on um he kind of came out of depression doing this um i'm unsure if he did or he he didn't um there are a lot of people that sort of say um i don't know if you've seen the wim hof documentary where they follow him around and stuff like that um i think i have yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear to see that um, he's uh, he's got a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> he is a larger than life. Yeah, yeah. In so many ways. He's a larger than life character, and um, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, but it it did it did help his depression, um, and which in a way it is interesting because for me um what it did is it opened me up to my pain it opened me up to these things i was holding that were making me feel prior to wim hof and some of the other things i've done um quite numb and empty and so on Um, I had a hard time sort of feeling my body and generally felt quite dissociated from it. And that sort of movement into the cold really just, it just puts you straight into your body. And I had to feel those things. Now you contrast that with Wim Hof, who was um, probably feeling a lot of grief and a lot of pain. And somehow that was doing the opposite for him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, I don't know if it was helping him to dissociate from the pain or to kind of feel it more or whatever, but um, yeah, you know, we both came into it with two quite unique and different experiences. So that that's a really uh, interesting thing you say that, you know, it's quite common for you know, I mean, I'm going to totally stereotype it, make a massive generalization for certain type of 
men to be quite disembodied and dissociated from their feelings and you know it's 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 part of our enculturation you know we're sort of uh what warren farrell calls the disposable sex yeah yeah. the, the the ones that get killed in wars and industrial accidents and you know all of that stuff and it's like uh yeah it's, whether this is true or not it's kind of an interesting narrative that uh you know, him and some others have pointed to that you know one way of dealing with with that enculturation um of being the disposable sex is to just say i i can't this is it's too much to feel the feelings with it and i, and I just got to numb it out and um it's it's difficult to to access these parts of us you know once we sort of partition off our feelings to actually access them can be really difficult um and if you find a method that starts to unlock them for you um it's that's really worth pursuing um yeah yeah yeah. yeah, even though it's difficult, it's scary, um, and you need help doing it, and all of those kind of things. But yeah, yeah. you know, that's 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 amazing. Uh, you know that you you, you found that. Yeah. Um, for me, I think um, you know, there's there's other things which which have worked for me, and uh, I, I, it's it's been a it's been a difficult and painful journey but so worth doing uh, and, I, and it's been really exciting and uh yeah it's uh I, I, like you i've had uh, for you know probably half my life been been cut off from uh my feelings you know i think yeah, yeah. a lot of it was to do going to boarding school you know just yeah, yeah. couldn't was so unbearable when at a young age that i just kind of cut it off and um re-entering that those waters um you know it's 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 hard it's hard work but but it's good yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's very good um you know and and i sort of credit i i guess i credit 5meo dmt and wim hof the wim hof method as opening me up to those um to my feelings to my emotions to the raw experience of my emotions um and yeah, it's been a bloody crazy ride in that respect. Um, now I, what, what I, I have found with it, cause I, during the lockdown, um, I thought I'd continue my journey with it. And- um, oh, So just, but, just before we get into the, so you, you've been doing the, these ice baths up to 90 minutes of breathing, two minutes in the ice bath. So what you, how, and you said sometimes you'd have to take a whole day off afterwards. I mean, I, how how many times a week were you doing this? And uh, and did, you know, was that for like a whole year or something? Or no, I, I continued with the the cold treatment in the shower and stuff. Um, having buying twenty kilograms of ice every day um, was not only a cost was prohibitive in cost, but just it was a hassle. Um, so we used to do that like a couple times a month and stuff. We just do get together, do do some pretty profound breathing, and then go into that. Um, and it would always, with guarantee, open me up 
um, to, yeah, like to my emotions, um, to my body. And it could take a day, sometimes two days to just process that. So I really, I kind of had to clear space. And um, I didn't do that for a whole year because I felt I was spending quite an inordinate amount of time kind of processing emotions. And, and um, yeah, um, so it was quite a lot. Um, other things were happening at the time as well. Um, sort of uh, things that were sort of kind of beyond my control in a way like um in that sort of opening um my body was readjusting itself to something new i discovered in therapy with gary um that half of my body on the right side was not processing sensations or feeling or emotions very well at all it felt quite numb and so on and um, it felt a bit like, um, like I was kind of getting into the whim, the whim hop in a sort of masculine approach to just force that open in a way. And, um, that sort of went maybe a little bit too fast, um, caused some disequilibrium in my body, which ended up with me, um, uh, having to deal with some visual vertigo and so on, um, which, which is interesting um, in the sense that over the years that right side of my body has opened up. Um, I do feel emotions there now and so on. But because you've changed something in the system, the whole system changes. And I've had to sort of learn to kind of adjust and be with that in a way. Um, so I did, I did stop for a while, um, those really strong ice baths and, you know, um, I thought it was getting to be maybe like a little bit too forceful. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you raised that because, um, you know, once, when you do the mining and yeah. you bring back some gold, you need to process that gold and well, I'm making a stupid analogy here, but sort of, yeah. you know, sell it or whatever, turn it into jewelry, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. do stuff with it. It's not just like mine gold, mine gold, mine gold, mine gold. And then you just like have all this raw gold lying everywhere. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a two phase process. You, you, you do that kind of like, uh, you know, blasting things open um yeah. then you've got to do something with what you've found you know and it's uh you, this what you're describing there is a sort of hyper masculine blindly pushing deeper and deeper and deeper yeah, yeah. That that's the only the only thing that's important you know yeah Where, whereas on the other side uh you know you you might have the other extreme might be endless processing so it's like you just do one mining session and then you're forever making nicer jewelry out of it and just looking at the gold and feeling it in your hands and you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. It's like, yeah. you got to do some mining again, you know? Yeah. You got to come back yeah. to the mining. Yeah. You got, there's got to be sort of an intuitive and structural process for the whole thing. Um, 
And a lot of that I feel is just listening to your intuition, um, not blindly following some sort of weird ideology that kind of just says, oh, just go further, go further, go further. There's a lot of that out there, um, especially in the meditation community and stuff. Um, and especially in the Wim Hof community as well. It's like, just do more. <laughs> so More is better. Yeah, I'm also thinking of like some of those guys that, you know, having in the psychedelic scene. Uh, yeah, just quantities of psilocybin mushrooms, which are just like. Oh, it's, you know, it, it's it, yeah, uh, there, there's a there is a sweet spot, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there, it, it's, the sweet spot exists. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just as a footnote on that, you know, we've talked before that um, it's possible that people don't react the same way to dosages of psilocybin and that, um, you know, I mean, I've heard of someone taking 30 grams of um, psilocybin yeah. mushrooms. And if I took 30, 30 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, I mean, I don't... Uh, you know, I, I I don't I can't even imagine ever taking that much uh, and getting yeah, any yeah. beneficial experience out of it. It would just be all white noise or something. Well, that's the thing, yeah. uh, and and I you know I think just because someone out there is having thirty grams of psilocybin doesn't mean that you know that their bodies might process it differently to yours. And yeah, thirty yeah. grams is not probably what you need. You might need something far far less. Well, I, I, I challenge, like, I challenge anybody who needs 30 grams of psilocybin, to be fair. Like, we, we've all got different body types, etc. Um, but I remember you told me, like, you told me a, something hilarious in response to that. You said, if, oh, I, if I took 30 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, I'd probably turn into a Jason Pollock painting and disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jackson Pollock, <laughs> boom. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, like, I've known people that have done that. And um, I, I had a friend who, um, he was following the advice of Kalindi, I think. And uh, um, yeah, he, he ended up taking a huge amount of, of psilocybin in his house, went on a roof, and um, started shouting, and then next thing you know, the police are in his house, and they, you know, and he's in prison with very uh, high, and so on. Oh, yeah, it's it's that it's backfired pretty, a little bit. Yeah, like <laughs> in, talk talk about set and setting. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the the set is like the police. Uh, and the setting is jail, <laughs> no, a rooftop, then a jail, like yeah. great. Yeah, so it's the yeah. ultimate set and setting. <laughs> yeah, 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 like the ultimate set and setting for trauma, I think. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, yeah so back, they, we, we digress. Back, yeah, back we digress. The, uh, yeah. The, but it, there, there did seem to be that sort of um, response in me or just follow and I like, this sort of like the tone of the community because i think wim hof he does break records 
he oh yeah he's got uh, is it 22 world records or something i mean yeah. it's, it's a lot yeah yeah and a lot of guinness book of world records doing really extreme things like running through the desert um and uh you know going going into like uh an ice uh water that's minus 22 degrees or something like that and you know um going really far down and then blinding himself temporarily and you know like he's an extreme character and it does set the tone for the community you know yeah i think i'm getting the 22 figure that from he went 22,000 feet up everest in nothing but a pair of shorts and a pair of sandals yeah 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 you know yeah. it's uh it's it's really extreme and it works for him. Like, I, I don't know where that starts to crack in him. Um, like, uh, or if it does crack, it, it does seem to, he does seem to be able to manage those situations. Um, but because that was becoming um, a very subtle body experience for me, and a very emotional experience. And because I was taking it in quite a different direction, um, there was a temptation, um, you know, having the community kind of uphold those sort of uh, masculine values in a way um, to just carry on, just, just take my body till it breaks in a way. Um, but yeah, in the end, I, I decided not to, just to give it a break and, um, and process, process what was happening with me. Um, so spent about a good year and a half doing that before returning back to Wim Hof and so on. Um, which is, yeah, which sort of happened last year at the beginning of lockdown. Um, it was, I kind of decided I wanted to see what it was like to do the ice bath again. And um, I didn't want to kind of buy ice and put it in a bath. So I built a chest freezer and put that in my kitchen. Um, yeah, did the necessary engineering work um, and filled it with water. Could, could you just like just briefly sketch out the X, the mods that you did to this chest freezer. It's not just like you've got a chest freezer filled with water and plugged it in. Yeah, yeah. In it. Uh, yeah just in case anyone's thinking. Um, there, there were some things yeah. you did to it so it would work properly. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are things. So if you're going to build a chest freezer for this, um, the first thing you have to do is insulate it um, to ensure that um, that water isn't going to run down into any electronics um, or any kind of moving parts in the fridge freezer. So that that's simply just um, lining any seam in the interior of the freezer just with waterproof silicon and um, and then plugging any holes with that silicon as well and so on. Um, the next thing that you need to do is to kind of ensure you're maintaining and regulating the temperature and so on. So, I mean, if you just switch the freezer on, even if it's insulated and whatnot, um, and you stick it in there with water, um, if there's no way of adjusting, switching the machine on and off, it's just gonna turn to a block of ice or you're just gonna be kind of 
having to manually maintain, you know, the temperature by putting a hand in it, for instance, and checking is it cold enough. Um, so you want to kind of figure out a way of getting the exact temperature. And I used a, um, a thermometer for uh, beer and so on um, for the production of beer. Um, so it has a cutoff switch that cuts off the electricity when it gets to a certain temperature and then puts it puts the electric uh, socket back on when it goes above a certain temperature. And so it's just an on and off switch, basically, that's controlled by a temperature gorge. And um, then after that, you know, the other very important thing you need to do is make sure you don't grow bacteria in your, <laughs> um, in your water. So that I used a combination of chlorine and um, a UV light filter and um, just a, a carbon filter to pick up any sort of stray material that might be left behind like skin or any other fungal thing that might offload from my body or someone else's body. Um, and those, all of that makes a functioning ice bath. I think there was one other element was you put Epsom salts in so you could cool it beneath zero degrees centigrade. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, like magnesium salts. I, lay, I stopped doing that eventually um, because I found um, that getting it below um, minus one and so on and wasn't really necessary. It uh, kind of getting it just above freezing, like one degree, uh, 0.5 degrees or whatever was enough. Which so I think you took it down to minus seven? Yeah, Is that yeah. Right? yeah. yeah, put it down to minus seven at one point. Um, which was not only a drain on my electricity, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was unnecessarily cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I discovered that um, that was, yeah, the masculine in me again, kind of like wanting to just go for it in a way. Um, so so yeah. just, uh, just as a sort of disclaimer, safety, you know getting my health and safety hat on here yeah. uh you know no, i don't yeah just in case people go out and buy a freezer and electrocute themselves you know th this is like proper diy it's not um certified uh you know i mean I, it, perhaps somebody uh may manufacture something like this like a proper you know, a bit like float. I'm thinking about float tanks, which is something that you, you know, um, we won't get into it here. Maybe we do, might do another podcast on it, but float tanks is something you got really into and you were going to start up a, a business doing this stuff. And uh, when John Lilly started, you know, working with you, he kind of invented these float tanks. He nearly killed himself a few times yeah. um, and, you know, drowning. And uh, I mean, he was also you're taking large amounts of ketamine and things like that in there um yeah, yeah. but you know and then <clears throat> years later there are these really nice flotation tanks manufactured you know you know by certified companies and stuff we're not at that point with as far as you know with these freezer type things i mean i so just as 
we are not recommending you go out and and do this if you <laughs> if you do do it uh it's yeah don't blame me we're not responsible <laughs> for this we're just saying something that you did and luckily you survived yeah, yeah. it <laughs> well i i survived it and i mean like i say that there are things you can do one of the other thing that i forgot to mention was um the electrical cutoff uh sockets and so on so if you do end up with a surge of electricity for whatever reason um you can buy cut off um uh cut off switches and so on that would protect you in case in case of a surge and whatnot and a surge could come around from very very silly things like um not switching off your electrical supply before you get into the into the bath, for instance. And, you know, if any of that water leaked into the electrical supply, um, yeah, you would probably not have a good time. So ensuring you get that necessary um, electrical cutoff um, equipment is sort of prime, just in case you make a silly mistake like that. Um, and uh, also on the electricity bill, um, I found having a timer that would sort of switch it on at like three o'clock in the morning for about uh, three hours or something like that, and then switch it back off and so on, um, so that it's not coming on for the rest of the day and whatnot. When I wake up in the morning, it's there, everything is switched off. Um, all of these things sort of help and whatnot, but uh, yeah. This isn't designed as a product. This is. Is, is there is there one out there that you're aware of? Um, there, I did check. There are. Um, there is a, a plastic bath um, that comes with a generator and so on, and um, you can kind of get the temperature down quite quickly with this um, in a very safe way, but. Um, is very, very expensive and um, it's primarily used for athletes when they finish uh, uh, training regime and so on. Um, but to my knowledge, there is something that has been designed specifically for Wim Hof, but it's not a product that I, you know, that I've uh, been able to find. The, when they were testing Wim Hof, they built a suit that they could cool down to very low temperatures. And so without going into a bath and being completely dry, you could actually cool your body down by just going into the suit and so on. Um, but to my knowledge, I've not seen a product made of that. Um, have, we, have we just given away all your intellectual property there and it's a product that you could have developed yourself and become a multimillionaire riding the Wim Hof wave? Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh God! But I, I mean, I'm sure I've seen it in in films, and in, you know, like people getting into a bath and then chucking a toaster in and dying. I mean, so uh, people could actually die from getting electric shock. In a, is that possible, or is that only happen? Is that Hollywood Hollywood science? I I think um, I think it's possible. But to my knowledge, nobody's died. Like, I'm not the only one who has built an ice bath and stuff. And um, to my knowledge, nobody has died of uh, going into an ice bath. In fact, 
the modern float tanks that you're talking about. One person has died, um, but it was under very weird situation. I think they went very high on something and decided to turn their bodies the other way around. They didn't know how to turn it, turn it um, face up again. And so just choked on 800 kilograms of salt. Um, <laughs> um, but to my knowledge, nobody's actually died of, of building an ice bath. Uh, but then again, I don't think enough people are doing it to warrant those statistics anyway. Um, I, I would say that in my experience, it's really safe. Um, it's like, uh, provided you do the methods I've outlined and so on. Um, insulation is a priority and getting a cutoff switch and timer is a priority. Um, and if you don't want bacterial infections, you got to sort for that as well, and so on. So potentially it's very dangerous, but it's easy to solve those problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so you 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 built this crazy thing in your house. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, so the, so you said you you started off make it seeing how low you could get it and you got it down to minus seven yeah yeah you know, and how much time were you spending in there what were the effects and you know you and what was the journey going from minus seven to above zero and finding that as the sweet spot well that was um that was about a week <laughs> so like um i took it from minus seven to about four degrees and so on. And, and then worked my way down from four degrees until I kind of realized just about one degree or slightly below is, is as cold as I need it. Um, I had found that even spending like, uh, you know, 30 seconds at minus seven and so on um, was really intense. And um, after a week of doing that, um, I started to notice that my thumb was shaking uncontrollably and I was experiencing um, quite profound depression and so on. Um, it was opening up too much too quickly. And because um, I was spending about three minutes at a time in there and so on. And um yeah for me it wasn't uh it wasn't really optimal um i i spent a couple weeks sort of uh, i had to spend a week after that not doing it and then kind of reset my whole concept of the whole thing replace the water get rid of the salt and then bring it up to four and then work my way down over the course of about two or three months um to about one degree you have had, if I remember correctly, you have had hypothermia. Yeah, yeah. As a result of doing this, I mean, more than once or just once? Um, hypothermia came a few times at the beginning. Um, like, so when I first started with the cold showers and stuff like that, um, I had to get used to the technique of breathing. There is specific, like you have to, the actual technique that Wim Hof shows you and so on um, is the basics. You, you really need to explore your own body 
with that technique and come to a point where you know you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, when you made that switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, which sort of means you're really activating your vagus nerve and um, you're no longer in a fight or flight situation with the breath. Um, and you feel very relaxed and you know your blood vessels are very open and not very constricted. Um, you have to start to learn to feel that um, as a transition um, in your nervous system. And uh, that, that took, yeah, that took a couple months to kind of feel. So I was getting hypothermia a lot, kind of going into the shower um, before I had opened my whole cardio and my vascular system to being able to receive the shower. Um, and if you don't do that, um, you're going in the shower cold still, and your body isn't able to maintain those temperatures um, to kind of, uh, yeah, uh, to go with the constriction of your blood vessels that the cold naturally does bring and so on. Um, so it is, it's not just I'm going to breathe the Wim Hof method and you know i'm instantly going to get it just because i'm holding my breath for longer than i usually held it and so on and um it is an embodiment practice um and an awareness practice how did you get out of hypothermia um, um shaking and just shivering there there is no real way of um sort of coming out of it other than really being with it really um i mean i i remember i remember i did it one time and I had therapy with Gary right after and uh, I was like just shaking through the whole therapy session and stuff and uh, he suggested maybe just go with the shake just you know really shake it up and stuff um, and yeah and it did happen again like I was experiencing that hypothermia um, doing that minus seven sort of temperature and I was finding that unless I was breathing for, you know, 45 minutes or longer, um, it wasn't enough just to read for 15 minutes and go into something that cold, basically. Um, but at 45 minutes of breathing, I'm really opening myself up to something. Um, and again, like, you know, dealing with all of that, didn't want to have to deal with that. So yeah, I had to, yeah, take a week off, change the temperature and do something quite different. Um, what I noticed a lot of people were doing um, when I kind of go to YouTube and, or even the friends I know who are doing it, they're they're putting their bodies into a place where they think the hypothermia is the desired goal. So you kind of see even a lot of people who take up the Wim Hof challenge and they make these extravagant videos. We're going to find the coldest spot in the coldest country. And, you know, we're just going to go in there for five minutes and they're shaking their ass off with a electric blanket afterwards. And it's like, oh. for me, they at that point they've overdone it um 
you know, they've almost kind of moved into a place that their body isn't ready for yet. And then they're celebrating that as a victory in a way. Um, and I think there's a much better systematic way of approaching it, um, which has a lot to do with feeling your body. How does it feel? What are the triggers of your body just before you get into that hypothermic state? You start to feel numbness in your feet and fingers and so on. And if you kind of stay any any longer than that, that's going to go into your cardiovascular system and your blood, your vascular system in general. Um, so the intention sort of coming back to it was I'm going to be very aware of my body as I breathe. Um, notice when I make that parasympathetic shift. Could you could you just elaborate? on that shift uh i'm sure some people get confused by sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system yeah. could, could you define what those two things are and then also just elaborate a little bit more on how you detect the shift from one to the other well um so when you're in your sympathetic nervous system your body is generally quite wired it's sort of the the sort of effect that you usually have drinking coffee or something like that. There's an increase in cortisol, stress hormones, adrenaline, etc. Um, and beta brainwave patterns. Yeah, beta brainwave patterns. Um, you're kind of on a higher alert, and you're more susceptible to things like fight, flight, or fight, and so on. And it's not a bad place to be it, it has its use and so on um you know if you're going through like uh if there's a surprise event or a stressful situation that happens that captures your immediate attention um being in your sympathetic nervous system is going to be very desirable you're going to be able to react from your um reptilian brain um your nervous system is geared towards um, sort of more reacting to those things spontaneously in the moment. Um, it's not good if you kind of want to relax or go to sleep or experience pleasure. I mean, there's been some studies that have shown that if you're constantly in your sympathetic nervous system, you'll have problems with your erection, for instance. So having sex can be quite difficult and whatnot. Um, if you're there constantly, you're probably, um, yeah, you're probably experiencing things like post-traumatic stress, complex PTSD, various things like that. Um, so it's not a place we want to be in most of the time, generally speaking, just some of the time. And uh, moving into your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, it's uh, from a phenomenological perspective and in my internal experience of it is that I feel a lot more relaxed, um, a lot more open in my body. Um, I feel like uh, there's more flow of blood throughout my whole system and so on. And I have the capacity to experience more pleasure and um and i'm more receptive uh 
to uh, positive sort of sensations in my body. I feel less constricted. Um, and I don't think necessarily you want to be there all the time either, because um, the logical conclusion to that state is just sleep, you know, um, after like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty much, but it is, it is a nice place to be before you introduce your body to a chaotic environment. If you're bringing a sense of mindfulness to it, which is, I think, a large part of the Wim Hof method that, and it's what I discovered about the going into something very cold while having cultivated a very relaxed but focused mind state and so on. Right after doing, um, you know, like, uh, like the Wim Hof breathing, and kind of having that shift, which I feel is just an expansion and opening of my diaphragm, of my chest, um, and uh, yeah, just more flow through my body. Um, if I don't go into um, an ice bath after doing that, I feel very lethargic and I feel like I need to go and sleep for a while and stuff and um there are scientific reasons for that you're kind of replacing oxygen with carbon dioxide there's a whole there's a whole litany of science people can go and find out about that um but when i go in to the cold in that relaxed state the cold requires me to go into a positive state of focus and the balance between that focus and that um, relaxation is what I just call flow and so on. It's the intersection of those two things. And for me, that's what Wim Hof really is. It's bringing that sort of attention that the cold immediately brings to you. It, you know, so you go into a cold bath and so on. And if you weren't attentive before that, you will be when you're in there to the point that your immediate reaction is to come out of it and so on. But because you're in such a relaxed state, you can hold that sort of impulse and you can let it just flow through your body. You feel the shock of the cold, but your body is so relaxed and not constricted that that shock can just flow through you and so on, which is probably one of the reasons you're getting into those sort of deep, non-dual, formless states and so on. Um, you're sort of having this sort of intersection between relaxation and focus and so on. Um, yeah, and I sort of approached it from that point of view, um, that what I'm doing with this bath um, is just putting engineering states of flow and so on. Um, and there, is, there are kind of procedures that you have to take to do that and whatnot. Um, one of them is that I don't want to overdo it and end up with hypothermia and then a whole bunch of emotional processing um, every time I do that and so on. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, there, there is a methodology 
sort of there. Um, it, one of the uh, ways that spills out into the rest of your life that occurs to me is that um, you're sort of training yourself to be able to conduct intensity, uh, you know, which is a kind of universally applicable skill because yeah, yeah. life gets really intense sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And if you can actually hold that in your system, you know, your physical, emotional, mental, spiritual system, just actually conduct that amount of life force um, without it destroying you. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we all want that. <laughs> we all, we yeah. all want to be able to, uh, you know, deal with adversity and make us stronger, you know, but it's sometimes it's just too much. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you, you can crumble, whether yeah. that's uh, have a psychotic episode or get some severe illness. Um, yeah, exactly. um, so, yes, it, 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 that is what one of the one of the things that people, yeah, you know, it, 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 when you do any activity, um, it spreads out into the rest of your life, yeah. um, and sometimes you can do that in a way that's quite haphazard you just is an experiment i'll just do this and see what happens to my life yeah, yeah. sometimes you can say well this is one of the reported effects of this and i'm going to consciously engage with that and say uh you know really really work on how uh you know this ability to conduct intensity uh, that I'm increasing as I practice over the over the years of doing this kind of thing, um, you know how how really focus on that and it, 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 when it when intense situations occur in your life, you're yeah, bringing yeah. that it's be, it becomes an automatic response because you've done it so many times in the same way like if you're learning a musical instrument you just pick it up and you're just playing it straight away, whereas yeah. if you've never practiced you pick it up you don't even know you don't even know how to play a note on it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's life is just asking you to play music over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, very much so. Um, it, it's interesting because I've got my own take on that, which is that um, the actual format of it, um, because it's so intense, like you're putting yourself in quite a chaotic situation on both ends. So you're going through this really big process to get your body relaxed. Then you're going through a really big process uh, to put yourself in that ice bath. And then you're finding and mediating this flow between those two states in there. Um, what I've found is it's, it's given me a state of consciousness that my body now recognizes. Um, so is there, it, it knows what it feels like, not just on a bodily level, but on a symbolic level and a ritualistic level, um, you know, that this is, this is a state of flow and so on. This is a state of opening. This is a state of deep um, quietness, whatever sort of comes up in that bath and so on. Um, but the integration into your sort of regular life happens in a very interesting way. And there are two, 
there are two ways of not really approaching it, but um, sort of integrating it. Um, one is that if you just leave it at the practice itself, what I've found is that that capacity to go into, the, into that state of flow generally happens when you're experiencing a very impactful and intense stressor and so on. Because you're kind of practicing this in a way that, uh, that means you're sort of looking for your ice bath outside of your ice bath in a way. Mm. Um, you know, that's your trigger in a sense. Like where are the intense experiences that I can go and have um, when I'm sort of, uh, what's it called? When I'm not doing this ice bath. And you notice instantly when you're doing that, um, that just switches on, it's there. Um, so for instance, I remember jumping off, uh, going paragliding and so on. And um, I'm shit scared of heights. And um, it was the first time I'd done something like that, but I'd done a whole bunch of Wim Hof prior to that. And it just kicked in automatically. It was just like, boom, okay, I'm, you know, the anxiety just went straight out of me and I just enjoyed it. So the whole way. Um, but integrating that as a normal state of like, you know, you want a piece of that just in your daily life, basically. Um, you know, when you're talking to somebody or when you're kind of, you know, just having to go for a job interview or just something normal in a sense. I found that um, it's better to take the essence of that um, and sort of practice that in a more discreet way. So for instance, when you're doing all of that breath work and stuff, what you're really doing is opening and contracting the diaphragm in a very unique way and so on. So sort of when you're walking down the road, you might want to take a little bit of that, just focus on the diaphragm itself and walk with that notion that I'm just going to breathe and open up the diaphragm or open up the rib cage, have that as a focus. It becomes sort of a meditation as you're sort of doing things, walking, moving, operating the computer, whatever, and so on. And because you've done so much of that breath work, that becomes very easy. It's like you're not starting from scratch um, and you're also doing something that you can just carry with you throughout your day and so on. So what what you're I'm hearing you saying there is that it's a good idea to play with this at different scales of intensity and like, you know, it's, it's like practicing scales on a piano. It's like going up the and down the octaves that you're not always so... <clears throat> The kind of caricature of uh, the beginning part, what you're saying there is, is being a, an adrenaline junkie and you only feel alive when you're risking your life or yeah, yeah, yeah. having a fight with your partner or, um, you know, free yeah. running on some crazy rooftop or proximity flying in your wingsuit and, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a correlation there with... Um, different like spiritual practices like meditation or 
psychedelic use that you only feel alive when you are, uh, you know, when you're, you're smoking DMT or you're, um, you know, on meditation retreat and normal life seems unbearably mundane and boring. Yeah, yeah. You're not able to access this kind of like Goldilocks zone, which, yeah, yeah. you know, in normal moments and uh, normally what the, the, the sort of better spiritual teachings out there or meditation teacher it doesn't have to be spiritual you know it could be a purely atheist mindfulness type of meditation teaching that was a good one would say well it's not you're, you're really you're you want to cultivate the ability to access this goldilocks zone in all moments of your life no matter how small or in you know yeah. or how big um and it's a mistake to to, to yeah yeah you know crave crave the the the, the far out and wild because that although they are really really cool experiences and I'm I'm definitely what someone who promotes pushing your boundaries you know um, in, in all areas of your life you know to expand yourself um, but um, you know life's not all about that and particularly particularly if if you want to have a good family life and good relationships and things, you know, it's, I've noticed, you know, it's, it's difficult for people to have, if they're somebody who's always risking their life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's hard to have, you know, yeah, you know, have a normal life if, if you're. Well, the, 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 yeah, the Wim Hof, the, the documentary, that sort of follows Wim Hof around. Um, that's what his family is having to deal with. And so on. there's a, a scene where he's going to break another world record and his family's telling him, no, <laughs> can you just stay home with us? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he's like, no, no, I'm going to go do it. And so, again, the tome of the community is sort of like undercast by, by that sort of, extremism in a way and Wim himself is constantly looking for further and further and further challenges simply because the practice itself um, is generally about putting you in an extreme circumstance and seeing how you deal with that and so on but that's not generally my life as a norm and so on you know like um, I, I, I like to expand and push myself as well but over the years, I've kind of found that it's very easy for me to burn out doing that constantly. Um, and the recovery of that is, you know, it takes a lot of life force and a lot of time as well. So sort of like that notion of, of taking the essence of an extreme situation and then actively and consciously trying to figure out how that applies just to the mundanity of life and so on, um, I think is a practice and exercise in and of itself, because there is, there is something you can take from it and so on, but it's not going to come in my experience. It's not going to come as an automatic sort of um, bonus for just doing the practice. Um, the bonus of the practice is that you're practicing for extreme circumstances and so on. You're not practicing for the mundanity of life. 
and so on. And, um, and so, yeah, that's been more part of my practice with Wim Hof going forward in that sense. So right now I, I only do an ice bath once a month and um, I don't want to do it any more than once a month um, because I'm only going into that once a month thing just to just to reintroduce myself to that chaos in um, in a what's it called a more tempered way and so on I don't want to let go of that as a practice um, but at this stage of my life I don't need to be doing that every day and so on it's uh yeah it's yeah it's a little bit too much um at this point in my life and so on yeah and I, it, it, you know what what applies for you may not be the same for another person i mean it's you know yeah. it's not like you're saying everybody should only do it once once a month i mean that's the thing people hear some recommendation from somebody uh like you know you, you might hear it from wim hof or some of the the the, the big shots in the community yeah, yeah. they have their way of doing it and people are like right well it's to make it work you have to do it three times a week and or every day at this time in the morning and you've got to you've got to not have eaten an hour and a half before and uh you yeah, can't yeah. have sex the night before and um you know you're i i mean it's just the list goes on and on and uh the people the things people get obsessed with and they're taking their eye off the actual you know their own navigation of it themselves yeah, as individuals yeah. well well that's the thing it's like because my journey my journey has been um one of um of both physical opening but also emotional and spiritual opening. So it's been very sort of integrated or holistic in that sense. And um, I think because I am dealing with a lot of complexity on in that sense, um, kind of treating it like an athletic activity, which is sort of what I did at the beginning of the thing. Um, and at the beginning, I have to note that I didn't have that sort of connection to my body. It, uh, it was um, my sort of awareness of my body and um, the, uh, the mind-body connection I had was not the same as it is now and so on. And yeah, so sort of like this once a month sort of practice um, has become now more of a ritual. And um, I did focus a large portion of time trying to discover techniques that were using the essence of that breathing and, and using some of the, um, the concepts I described, the whole notion of relaxation and focus and so on, and sort of trying to build practice. It's something I'm still trying and figuring out as, I, as I'm going on, and it's more of a recent thing. Um, yeah, just just bringing that sort of conceptual um, information that I gleaned from the Wim Hof and finding practices that just suit my daily life in a way um, that, yeah, don't completely just blow me into the chaos. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be a Zen in all of this chaos now and everything. Um, so yeah, 
so yeah it's yeah it's been a hell of a ride in that sense yeah yeah, yeah. it is fascinating man yeah, yeah. um i think that that has been a very well-rounded and deep exploration of it i mean it's it's a anything I can't think of anything that, that that I can add to the conversation we've had. Um, is there any any like parting words <laughs> that you think haven't haven't been said, or or has it all been said? Well, um, I think, as I say, like my just to sort of sum up my own experiences with it, um, I think that. Um, the method itself um, is, um, it can be taken by the practitioner in any way that you want to take it. It goes very deep and so on. Um, I would like to see, you know, some focus on the levels at which you can take it. And it might mean me eventually having to write something about this and kind of engage the community more something I haven't done, um, but something I've been thinking about doing, because um, I, I do think that it is very psycho-spiritual in that sense. And um, it would be nice to sort of build a language around that in regards to this community, because um, right now I feel as though when you do have open to those experiences, they, the community itself is aware that that can happen, but they point you towards other systems um, that take care of that. Like, oh, you've, looks like you've had a holotropic breath experience or a trauma release experience, as opposed to really taking responsibility for all of that as a community, that actually you're not having a holotropic breath experience. You're having a unique experience doing Wim Hof and so on. And that's not going to be the same as doing holotropics and, you know, and trauma release. It's going to have its own distinctive character and quality to it. And uh, it would be nice for the community to open up to that and to explore that more, to build a language around that, um, you know. So, yeah, I'll probably have to write about that and, you know, and maybe take responsibility for that myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, but other than that, I, yeah, it's a beautiful practice. Um, and yeah, I think one can mine a lot of really, really, um, yeah, like real gold, um, from it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'm, I can't even hold a thought anymore. Yeah. yeah. My, my mind is... <clears throat> is mush <laughs> but um thank you very much for taking this time to 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 share your experiences with it and and you've been really you know very generous um and uh really pulled back the curtain on it you know in, in a way that you haven't sort of you've been really authentic about about what, what you've done um, yeah and uh, I, I appreciate that you haven't been uh, this this is hopefully has been a has been a zero hype 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, in that sense that it's um uh you know extolling the the, the, the the this is a deep and beneficial practice but 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 not kind of without all that marketing overlay you know as you say yeah, yeah, yeah. it's important to develop a discerning um smell detector for what is just the marketing side of it and what's the the the, the authentic practice and, and benefit yeah yeah which always boils down to noticing your own experience really mm. and, and trusting your own body and what it's telling you and so on and not necessarily just assuming that what everybody else is doing is what is the thing for you to do in essence i think that is the biggest thing i took from wim hof it's been an exploration of my own trust and intuition um in that way wanting to pull back when to move forward what what is the overarching sort of push in the community and and knowing okay when am i moving into ideology and you know when am i moving into myself yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. But yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for being a really good host and, you know, having a conversation. I, I you know, I, I kind of felt, yeah, it was nice to hear your overlap on the whole thing as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, my pleasure. So if, um, if uh, can you direct people to you know if, if they want to find out more about you or anything that you care about what where might you point people um nowhere really I, um... <laughs> <laughs> we are not selling anything <laughs> you, know, you can find me on facebook if you want to reach out um or instagram my name is donald clark and um yeah i've i've not reached that stage of my life where i'm you know um uh, moving into the role of public figure or anything like that. Um, you were there, so I, I don't know whether you're still going ahead with this, but the the, the float effects, yeah, yeah, things. So you know, you were just before COVID hit, about to release this um, uh, flotation tanks uh, combined with high quality audio experiences. Yeah. um in an actual venue in in london um yeah. but obviously covid hit and it, it didn't happen but may happen in the future possibly um, yeah so what's happening with that at the moment is um we're going to be starting work on a website and so on and at the moment we're going to be looking at um uh, building an information repository um, for how to responsibly use psychedelics um, with the combination of music. So it's going to illustrate kind of how you build, how you might build playlists for yourself, dosages that you can take, um, how you track yourself, writing diaries around the whole thing. Um, have you checked that Compass Pathways hasn't uh, patented all of that already? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've checked the patents, actually. Uh, yeah, the, the, the patents involve um, actually using specific devices for um, actually ingesting the material and so on. 
Um, but yeah, there's somebody today sent me a hundred of the most influential psychedelic uh, proponents, and each one of them are trying to patent whatever they're trying to do and stuff. Um, but really, um, yeah, the whole thing with the with the adding of the float is something that's still open. Um, but because of lockdown and so on, it's really not a good time to um, to kind of start that. The environment is still a little bit too uncertain and whatnot. So yeah, we're we're taking the thing that underlabored for the idea of of float and music. The essence was really just deep listening with psychedelics and so on. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, so we, we kind of hope to, um, to have that open by November and hopefully maybe by then we'll do another podcast or something and I can give a website and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Donald. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Lots thank of love, bro. I made all the music that I use in my podcasts. If you'd like to hear more of my music, please visit SoundCloud and check out my profile, Ralph Cree.